Welcome to another episode of the Beef Bits Podcast. I'm Dr. Jeff Limcooler, Extension Beef Cattle Specialist at the University of Kentucky. Through the Beef Bits Podcast, we will share current news, management tips, new research, and other issues related to beef cattle production. I'll be joined by various guests to bring different views and insights on beef cattle topics. I hope you will follow or subscribe to the Beef Bits Podcast and find the information useful. Welcome to another episode of the Beef Bits Podcast. Today I'm joined by my colleague, Dr. Les Anderson. Today we're going to talk a little bit about some reproduction things. Uh, Les, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jeff. How are you? Can't complain. We've got a little bit of rain again, which is good. Get some fall grass growing here. Nothing wrong with uh, an inch of rain a week just to keep that uh, nice green Kentucky tint to everything. That's right. And uh, also help recover from the army worm invasion we had that wiped out a lot of pastures and fields. Yeah. Yeah. The, everybody that got uh, hammered with army worms are going to need a little bit of help. So mother nature has decided to help us i guess and that's exactly right we're uh, in the midst of fall harvest and that right now too and hopefully yields are coming in uh, pretty good so uh, we'll see what that does but that's always a plus as well today i thought we'd uh, kind of touch base uh, we're in the fall season and cows will be um, maybe worked uh, the spring cabin cows will be worked here uh, wean calves off is kind of a good time for folks to be working cows preg check and some of those things and there's been some recent developments on the pregnancy test diagnosis that uh, i thought maybe you could hit on today sounds great you know uh, i'm not sure if there's been any real research on uh, on the importance of the weaning annual evaluation for for the cow herd but i in my opinion this is the most critical time to help determine next year's profitability and um, getting in here and, and just plugging through all these cows, figuring out pregnant versus open, taking the time to evaluate feet and legs, udders, disposition, just everything about a cow that's making her perhaps not reach your productivity goals as a producer. You know, this, this is the time. And you can, you don't necessarily have to sell them right now, Jeff. You can uh, just sort them off, uh, put them in a pen, put a little bit more flesh on them, maybe sell them right after the first of the year when when uh, you might get a, capture a little bit more value for these old cows. But uh, we definitely, I, th I think productivity and profitability for 2022 is established by our annual evaluation of our cows here in the fall of 2021. So very important time for people. You think the that quote unquote business 80-20 rule applies even in the beef cow uh, enterprises? We may have to, to describe the business 80-20 rule. So the, uh, the bottom 20% robbed the profit of the top 80%? I absolutely guarantee that's the case. Uh, I know, you know, with uh, with the farm program, the first thing we did when we got on each farm and we were evaluating their productivity is we went through every single cow and did feet and leg, udders, weights, 
calf weights, cow weights. We looked at cow productivity as a reflection of her weight because her weight is really, really kind of dictates her input costs, right? I mean, bigger cows eat more and feed is feed costs are 70 to 75 percent of, of a cow calf's uh, producer's costs each year. And so we would go through that and you would be amazed at how rapidly the average productivity of the herd increase when you take the bottom 25% off. I'm I mean, just, sure. Just, you know, all of a sudden you go from some hot garbage to maybe some, uh, something that's getting a little closer to, um, profitability. And so, yeah, this, that, that's when we go through and we preg check this time of year, preg checking is, is of course, uh, the most important tool that we can utilize uh, in in our in our in our herd production toolbox. Um, but uh, going ahead and getting rid of those bad disposition cows, uh, anything that's just having problems. I mean, you know, if you look on those back legs and she's already shooting some sled runners out, or you get on that front leg and she's towing over, and and you know you're not going to have her for another, you know, maybe one more year out of her at most, um, udders dragging the ground or whatever. I mean, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and get rid of this bottom end and, 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 and get some heifers and maybe that'll help pull that top end up here in the next year or two. So very important time. Yeah. We, we, we also tend to forget about the value of, um, the old saying of you can only manage what you measure. Exactly. And, and yeah, and then if we're not getting weaning weights, we're not getting reproductive uh, rates. I mean, that's a lot of useful information that is being overlooked. And um, who knows if you if you've got a low management, really extensively managed herd. Um, yeah, that old cow may slip by and not have a calf, but once every three years. Seen that several times, honestly. Um, you know. Nearly 100% of cattlemen would tell you that they're taking records. Um, but if you really challenge them to see when the last time a cow calves, sometimes they have a very difficult time finding that in the book. And I, I know I've on, on a lot of those farm program uh, operations, we'd go on there and a cow hadn't calved and they, had, they couldn't tell that she'd had one in three, four, five years. And just looking at her body condition, right? I mean, she's big old condition score, seven and a half to eight cow and dry as a bone. And, you know, uh, make, make good hamburger. <laughs> That's right. Well, I was thinking about hamburger. That reminds me when I was in, in Ukraine and I was working with a uh, an operation over there and, and we were this time of year, fall, fall working cows. And, uh, uh, my interpreter left and I was there and, and there was a bit of a language barrier, <laughs> but, uh, as we were sorting cows, I was up at the gate doing open and, and, uh, pregnancy. And we had a common term and the common term was McDonald's and the McDonald's meant she was open and going in the call pen. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's good. I have to, I have to start using that. So, uh, as we think about this open and, and pregnancy, um, kind of doing the circle back around to this fall preg check time on these spring cabin cows, um, 
what are what are the options that producers have in order to look at pregnancy uh, status in cows? We have, we have several options, um, and you know the old tried and true is uh, we can contact our herd veterinarian uh, and schedule um, a fall working with them. So they'll come out and they'll uh, they'll do a standard rectal rectal palpation, which can give you not only pregnant versus open, but also an estimate on on conception date or how many days pregnant the animal is. So you can kind of take notes and sort, you know, your, you know, when it comes time to calve, you can sort your early calving and your middle calving and your later calving cows based upon that preg check. Um, 30 years, 20 years ago now, 1990, 91, 92, somewhere in there, uh, the ultrasound started to become uh, more used in beef reproduction and actually it's fairly common now um, a lot of technicians a lot of veterinarians will have access to a transrectal ultrasonography machine and so basically that's a preg check jeff that uh, is just a little bit more accurate not only in the pregnant versus open but also in the uh, stage of pregnancy and an experienced uh, ultrasound technician um, can get within five to 10 days of date of conception. Um, and that, you know, it's actually more accurate than calving date. People have, uh, have a hard time wrapping their head around that, Jeff. But, uh, if you breed, uh, a bunch of cows on, let's say November 20th, um, research has shown that that big group of cows will calve over a 32 day window, you know, two weeks early up to two weeks late. And, um, and so that transrectal ultrasonography uh, is actually more accurate than that. I mean, we can very accurately identify date of conception uh, when we come in there with, a, with an ultrasound. About uh, maybe 10 years ago, um, we developed, scientists, reproductive scientists, developed a, a blood test that very accurately determined uh, pregnancy status of a cow. Uh, there are two... Uh, companies, IDEX and BioPrime, that, that each sell um, bovine pregnancy tests. The technique for that is you contact the company, and we, you know, we have some fantastic labs here in the state that do a really good job. But you contact the company, and you either buy the syringes and needles from them, you get the tubes from them, you get a labeling system from them. Um, they'll ship it to you. You take a blood sample, whether it's a tail sample or a jugular, uh, put it in the tube, wrap those tubes, label the tube, obviously very extensively and accurately, um, and then put those uh, blood tubes in the uh, mail and send them back to the company that you bought them from, and they'll uh, run the analysis for you. And uh, you know, most companies that I know, labs I know, get back to you within a couple of days. Um, and you get a yes or no on your pregnancy status. And um, those blood tests are 95% accurate. Um, honestly, they, you know, I, I consider them basically 100% accurate. You get a few false positives that come from um, the hormone being left over in the blood. If the cow is a late calver, 
and let's say you induce her to, to come into heat early with either for AI or natural service, you know, it takes about 70 days for the hormone to come out of the, out of the system. And so there is a small opportunity that you could get a false positive from that. And then also bluntly more cows abort than we, than we think about. And, and an aborting fetus could still have produced the hormone, uh, pregnancy specific hormone B or, or any of the PAGs that, that are, that are, uh, which is pregnancy associated glycoproteins that, that are, that are produced by the placenta. Um, they'll produce those fairly early. You'll get, you'll get measurable levels at day 24 and 26. And, um, the accuracy of the tests begin about day 28. But anyhow, every day, you know, we lose up to 10% of those pregnancies, Jeff, um, from day 24 to day 45. And so you'll get some false positives there, uh, with the, uh, with the blood test, but I find the blood test to be in, incredibly accurate and honestly very easy uh to to take those blood samples and get get them sent in for analysis you mentioned something there about uh kind of the timing after um service which is uh, a good kind of follow-up with those different methods both uh, rectal palpation ultrasound and blood tests you know what is that kind of ideal window for those techniques to go in and then determine pregnancy status? That, that's a great question. And it varies quite a bit by, by uh, technique. Um, the f- first thing you need to do if you're going to have your veterinarian come out uh, and, and do the preg checks, talk with them about when they're most comfortable uh, doing their pregnancy diagnosis. I mean, personally, when I'm on some of our research farms, when I'm doing the cows here at UK, um, I love to go in with the ultrasound at 100 days or less. And they, so they need to be at least 30 days. I can stretch down and get 25 most of the time. But if you want to be 100% accurate from day 30 to day 100, I can be within that five days and very confident of it. Um, if you're just doing pregnant versus open, doesn't matter to me. 30 days on, I can go. But once you get over that 120 days, uh, all the way up to probably seven months, those calves sometimes get a long ways away from our arm. It's kind of kind of difficult to get on them. And if you can't feel the size, if you can't really get to uh, the pregnancy, it's very difficult to, to estimate the date of conception. Um, with the, so I, I'm in, just to back up again, I would contact the veterinarian, find out the window that they're most comfortable and they feel they're most accurate and, and, and schedule the fall working, uh, your pregnancy diagnosis then, uh, with a blood test, um, you can go as early as 28 days. Um, and a really good kind of method that, that I've, I've, talk to and have implemented with producers is, is, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks will try to get a little AI in. And so, you know, they'll do uh, synchronization for the fixed time to AI. And then, you know, 10 to 14 days later, we turn the bull out. Well, if we take that first blood sample 30 days after we AI, everything that stuck AI will show up pregnant. Everything that the bull got in the second round isn't far enough along yet. 
and they, they won't. So you'll know who got pregnant in the first round. If you come back, uh, you could do it 30 days later. You could get an estimate of how many pregnancies you, you lost to AI. And then also which of those cows got caught in the second round. Then you can come back at the very end and just get your overall preg rate. And so you can kind of get your date of conception and get an idea of early fetal loss, uh, late embryonic loss. And then, you know, and it's about $5 a piece for those blood samples. So for 15 bucks and a couple of half days worth of work, you've got a ton of information um, on, uh, on your ability to get cows pregnant and keep them pregnant. So there's, there is, uh, some limitations, um, with some of, well, let's go back and just say with the, the blood sampling, there's some limitation that you won't get maybe, um, stage of pregnancy then, correct? Yeah. And unless you do serial, uh, blood sampling, you know, like every 30 days, you will not get, um, um, stage of conception. But on the flip side of that, if you're in an area where getting hold of a veterinarian is very difficult, um, it is a very viable alternative then to having a, your herd veterinarian out to do pregnancy status, correct? Yep. Yep. So there's been some recent advances on, on um, some of the blood test um, kits that are there. And I know you've been pretty heavily involved in, in looking at those advances. So tell us a little bit about what has evolved in this approach of using a blood sample to determine pregnancy diagnosis. One of the biggest deterrents uh, for people incorporating the uh, blood test into their uh, production regimen is, is the fact that it takes a couple of days. And so you got to get the cattle up again, you got to sort again and so forth. Um, and even though it's extremely accurate and it's cheap and it's easy, it, it requires you to work them twice, at least. Um, IDEX uh, has recently come up with a, uh, I'm, I'm gonna call it instant, but it's not actually instant. It's, it takes about 10 to 15 minutes, but it's a shoot side blood test that we've been working with um, uh, that uh, that actually is has an opportunity to really give our beef cattle producers a chance to get not only get the uh, really high reliability for pregnancy diagnosis, but also you get it and you don't have to work the cows a second time or get them up a second time. And so the, the, the name of the, uh, the product name is Alerts, A-L-E-R-T-Y-S. And what it does, it comes in a little plastic cartridge. Um, you take a blood sample, you put it in the a purple top tube, you invert that, you mix it a little bit because we need uh, anticoagulated blood, right? We, we, we can't let that blood coagulate. Um, after we've got that EDTA mixed in the blood really well, we take a little pipette and this all comes with this all comes in the kit. You suck up one pipette full of blood. You put it in the cartridge. You put six drops of, uh, saline, uh, just salt solution that comes with the kit. You put that on top of the blood and it runs into that cartridge in about 12, 12 minutes usually is when it, you really start seeing most of it. 
but the the you know the the, the bag says twenty, okay, um, and then you you'll get an indication. And we did this the other day in lab, um, worked really well. Uh, we had one cartridge that didn't work right because um, there's a you get two lines. One one is by the C, and that stands for control. And so that just tells you if the cartridge is any good, if it just period. And if you don't get that line, then you got to throw that away and get your blood tube back out, suck up another pipette, and put it in another cartridge. Um, but on, I've done several thousand of these now. And that that one in lab the other day was only the second time that that the cartridge hasn't worked. Um, but what you'll see then on on the T line, there'll be a, a faint, most of the time a faint red line um, that appears when the animal's pregnant. And um, sometimes it's really faint. Sometimes it's it's pretty uh, pretty easy to recognize. Um, but we were a hundred percent in our evaluations the other day. You know, the one open was there was no indication whatsoever. There were a couple of faint ones where we had kind of had to turn the cartridge up a little bit, but you could see the red line, and the rest of them were just super obvious. And um, it, those, those cartridges, that whole kit is going to be $9. Uh, and so for the cartridge, the uh, um, pipette, the diluent, blood tubes, that all, that's $9. And then you, so you still have to have a needle and syringe to collect the sample. Um, but in, in 10 to 20 minutes, you're going to have the answer. And you think, well, you know, 10 to 20 minutes, that's, that's still kind of a pain in the rear. You work in 20 cows, right? Get the first one. You put it, you know, label the cartridge with the uh, cow's ID. When you get done, hers is at 20 minutes. And so you run, let's say you're just opening up that catch and you're putting them into a, your head catch and you're putting them into a catch pin. So really you're just waiting 10 to 20 minutes after that last cow comes through. And so you've got them in the catch pin you get your get your results. You sort off the two or three, and you didn't have to turn them out to the pasture, bring them back in from the pasture or whatever. You still got them caught up, and it, it'll save quite a bit of time. And from day twenty eight on, it's nearly I mean ninety five plus percent accurate. And their data says ninety eight. Um, IDEX's data says ninety eight. I find it to be as close to hundred percent as you can really get. Well, and that's one of the things that we forget about, right, is the fact that um, in, in our area where we've got a lot of smaller herds with off-farm em employment, you may only have weekends to, to get cows up and, and work them. And, um, you know, that labor savings of not having to get them up again is, is actually a pretty big deal for a lot of our operations. Yeah, it is. And then... You know, uh, we have a lot of outstanding veterinarians in our state. I mean, we're blessed with some a large number of really good large animal vets, uh, but we don't have as many as we need, honestly. Uh, particularly some areas, it's very difficult to find a large animal vet anymore. Um, and so getting one scheduled on a day that you can be there uh, is getting tougher and tougher. Um, and so for... Our cattlemen, you know, if, if we can take the, the, you know, so an excuse to not preg check would be, well, I can't get my veterinarian 
scheduled at a time where I can get all where I'm off work. Well, this takes that away. And, you know, so our veterinarian colleagues would probably say, well, you know, this is going to take some business away from us. And I actually, I disagree with that. I think that when these pro when problems pop up, they're still going to call the veterinarian and the veterinarian is going to need to go out and work through them, work through the cows and figure, help that uh, producer figure out what the problem is. And I, I think actually it could increase the number of contacts between beef producers and their, and their herd veterinarian because less than 20% of the entire population of cattlemen use PregCheck. And so those that are, that are already using the veterinarian, most of those are going to continue to use the veterinarian. Now let's talk about, let's say we double that population. Now you've got people that are doing preg checks and when problems occur, they're going to call their vet. And so that, that's going to add, I think it's going to add revenue to most of our, most of our veterinarians offices. I think you're exactly right. I think that the, people that are likely to adopt this technology or people that are not using a veterinarian currently for pregnancy um, diagnosis. So I, I think you're right. Um, there's a whole lot of other things that go on and, and neither you or I are saying that, you know, producers should not have a good working relationship with their veterinarian because that's critical. And there are a lot of things that come up that if your veterinarian knows about your herd on kind of the typical day-to-day -day management and what you're doing, it helps them in figuring out what may be ailing the cows. And um, that's still going to be important with or without this technology. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the key to really successful bee production is having a great vet client relationship and, uh, and, and, your veterinarian feeling comfortable with what you're doing and vice versa. And this is just information that helps your veterinarian understand and, 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 you know, if there is or is not a problem. Um, and, you know, people look at me funny when I, when I, when I want them to do more than one preg check, but Jeff, there are so many abortions that occur that we don't know. We don't, we don't see and I do, I do a lot of serial blood testing now. And I, I know that we lose up to 20% of our late embryonic early fetal pregnancies, depending upon heat stress. To, even in the winter, you get a really bad weather snap in the winter. We've lost pregnancies. I think using cow manager, the, the monitoring system, I've actually, I think I've identified a, uh, an activity profile that might be associated with it. And, and we need to better understand those losses so that we can correct for those losses because we can get cattle pregnant all we want, but they've still got a calf and they've still got a wean a calf for us to make money. And, and if we're running 20% abortions and let's say it's because, you know, we're, we're using a killed vaccine instead of modified live and we've, we've got some sneaky abortions coming in, and, and we only identify it when a cow doesn't calve, that didn't tell us what the problem is. It just told us that she didn't calve. And so I, we've used serial preg checking um, in many key instances when farmers had unexplained lack of calving. 
they were preg checked and they're not cabin and we've come, we've been able to come in and using this stuff really identify the time period that they're losing calves and that helps the veterinarian set up a health protocol and the nutritionist set up a nutrition protocol to get our cattle past up to you really got to get to day 60 before those suckers are really set in those calves and and we have got to get get more a higher percentage of of our cattle a day 60 of pregnancy that's a good point and you know i I think on the flip side you know the the feedback we may often get is well dad and granddad never had to do that why do i need to do it but to be realistic you know our genetics aren't the same as those future generations we're working with they're they're heavier muscled higher milking potential and and yet we're using you know kind of the same forage base you know good old kentucky 31 maybe with a little bit other grass and legumes mixed in but we haven't changed necessarily our base nutrition program with the change in genetics and um, so having kind of this approach of you know herd health and nutrition come into play it, it can help get us up from maybe 75% weaning rates into the high 80s. Yeah, we, we, we've got to get in the high 80s if we want any chance at all at profitability. I think that's all the SPA data said, right? All the SPA data says that. it's. It, I mean, that's just really not even a question. Every bit of IRM data, every bit of uh, systems production, sustainable production analysis, SPA data. I don't remember what that S stands for, but anyhow, all that economic data clearly indicates high 80s for weaning rate uh, equals profitability. Regardless of what your weaning, weaning weights are, we need your weaning rate to be high. Your weaning, your weaning weight can be can be lower as long as a significant proportion of your cows are actually weaning a calf. Yep, that's a good point. Adding 25 pounds on a calf um, weaning weight is not as big of an impact as weaning another 350 pound calf. Yeah. So when we think about it, now we've done some fall work and got pregnancy status determined. Um, what are some of your recommendations on? culling considerations you kind of hit on a few of those um, early on when we were talking but um, maybe jump in just a little bit deeper on thinking about some of those culling factors to consider for you know assuming that 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 we've taken care of pregnancy pregnant versus open next thing i always go to jeff is disposition there's so many pounds lost so much inefficiency lost because of rank cows, you know, and we're taking a risk, you know, one injury, you know, one, you know, a cat, a rank cow, a bad calf, a rank bull injures you or worse. I mean, it's catastrophic what that loss will be, but there's so many hidden losses with bad disposition, disposition cattle that, that we, we, you know, we, they're hidden, so we don't see them, but when we do the research and we have, you know, we have a researcher here at UK that does quite a bit of work with exit velocities and, and disposition in cattle, we lose tons of growth, tons of potential pounds with, with our, 
you know, rank are bad disposition calves. Fertility is lower with bad disposition cows. You know, just health is lower. Cortisol, the stress hormone, reduces the ability of the animal to fight disease. You know, and so you've got all these things going on with, with disposition that that's always the first place I go. You know, so right at right after pregnant or open, any cow that, that's just really in there rattle banging around. And in particular, I don't, I don't care as much about the shoot as I do when she's in the pen. If she's in the pen with her head up and really nervous and, you know, even maybe bluffing coming at you, it's time for her to, time for her to get a little trailer mice and Jeff. And that includes right now thinking about those heifers you're fixing the wean off too, right? There's no yeah. reason, even if she's the best heifer, highest indexing in your herd, whatever. If she's that deer in the headlights, back of the pen, needs to go. Needs to go. I mean, you know, more than likely, if she's if she's really skittish, she's she's not going to get pregnant early anyway. You know, I mean that's. More than likely. Right after that, I go to feet and legs. Um, you know, it seems like cat, you know cattle have really gone away from sound foot and leg structure in the last 15 or 20 years. Um, probably the most irritating thing for me in the cattle business is to work really hard with our cattlemen and, and, and at the UK farms to use really good genetics, proven genetics get those calves on the ground um and then of course if, you, if you're not if you're not able to see the sire side feet and leg structure you know you, you got animals that that hit the ground they get their calving and about that third or fourth year they start you know they've been a little bit deep in the heel anyway jeff but we've ignored it and now they start getting those long hooves or you know their their claw set is a little bit you know, they're, they're rolling just a little and about that fourth or fifth year, they come up lame and man, is that aggravating? Cause I mean, cows don't start paying for themselves until their fifth year. And if you're calling them at year four, you've lost money. You've lost money on that cow. You made an investment and she just breaks even at year four and you make your money from five to ten, and then when you sell that cow, that's your cherry. And when they're when when you're ha when you're having to call those females at at four, five, even six years of age, man, that is absolutely aggravating. And you know, we have worked hard to try to take care of some of those problems with the UK cows, and it just keeps kind of circling back in circling back in it's better now than it was um but it's still a problem and uh you know uh we we try to call everything that we can that we can identify early but those those, those rascals still come in there and, and snake in on us every now and then and it just it's just aggravating and there has been some more recent developments on trying to address those issues by breeds and it's kind of hit the uh, radar a little bit more and it's more top of mind and folks are doing perhaps a little bit uh, more to try and eliminate those and find uh, improved particularly foot structure right i mean yeah 
that that's something we we've always talked about the maybe the upper leg structure you know cow hocked and sickle hocked and post legged and that but it it's now on that lower foot uh, and and kind of foot structure and claw structure that we've really started to see some improvements and so if you're not familiar with that i'd encourage everybody to take some time and, and get on old dr google and and do a search for you know foot set claw set and and educate yourself so you don't make that mistake of keeping you know a, an animal back and having to lose money on her when she has to be cold at that young age you know and uh, when you're buying your next herd herd bull um pay extremely close attention to his feet and leg structure they need to sit they need to to carry their weight in the middle of the hoof both hooves are square and pointed forward Okay, and you know when they walk, you want that that back hoof to fill the track of the left by the front hoof, and the main thing is a square and even and pointed forward. And if you can get that done on all four feet, uh, you you'll get along you'll get along pretty well. And um, it uh, I don't know it's is that's just an issue when it's a longevity issue. And, and it's something that, that we've got to get taken care of in our industry here pretty quick because we're costing ourselves a ton of money. Yep, that's a good point. And, you know, you, you think about that. And then another one that I think comes right in line is, is thinking about udder structure in these young replacements and, and then also in these cold cows. I, I still remember my days in Missouri and, and some of those older cows with those coke bottle type teats that the calves can't nurse and if the calf can't nurse within the first six to ten hours it's not getting passive immunity and now there's a good chance you're going to really have issues with scour or summer respiratory and those things just talked to a producer uh late last week cow calved and had some of those coke bottle teats and uh calf never could get on the cow and it ended up dying Yep. And so, you know, the other thing is, is that um, those aren't the fun ones either to get up right away and, and have to hand milk out to try and get that. And, and it often doesn't work because a lot of times it's edema. Yeah. And and so you're not going to help the, the edema or swelling in the teats um, right after calving by milking them down. Yep. Yeah, so those pendulous udders and those really big teats those cows need to, they need to they need a little trailer myosin as well that's a it's a good time now too maybe to to evaluate quarters um don't you think yep absolutely we, we have uh, some cows that may get mastitis and instead of having four good quarters they may have you know maybe one uh, bad quarter or in some cases they can even have two bad quarters quarters um it's it's amazing you know bullock and and us were doing that cow uh project the last two years and you know some of these calves uh they can get a little aggressive and their teeth begin to get a little sharp on the bottom and you can get quite a few teats that get cut um could be from walking through briars or barbed wire too and um, allows bacteria to get up there and cause infection and you and you lose a quarter or, or maybe even a half on the cow so uh, take the time to evaluate those udders uh, if you can as well. What other factors would you consider when thinking about colon? 
Well, you know, those, those are the main ones. If you know, age obviously as well, but you know, uh, anymore, I think if, uh, I think that 10 to 12 year old cow is unusual in most beef, beef cattle operations now. So it's not as big a deal as it used to be, but you know, if you don't, if you don't know the age, you know, let's say you bought the cows at the stockyard or, or something like that, you know, get a good mouth on them, uh, get in there, you know, you don't grab that, uh, grab them by the nose and get an idea of, of how many teeth they have and how worn down they are. You know, cattle have eight, mature cattle have eight teeth on the, on the bottom jaw. Of course, they have a pad on the top jaw. And if they're missing teeth or if those teeth are worn down and, and are separated, that's an indication that those cows are, are 10 plus years old. Um, and, you know, some, uh, I mean, I've, mouth cows in certain parts on the on the farm program that we that we ran where you know they had two or three nubs jeff and that's all that's all they had and then you look back and they they don't have much condition on them either and um probably a pretty good probably a pretty good management practice to get rid of them before they get to that to that to that part and so uh if you don't know the age of the cow i definitely would mouth them um, and if, if you're, un, if you're unfamiliar and uncomfortable with it, you know, have your, uh, veterinarian do it for you, um, so that you can get a good, good idea of how old that cow is. Cows start to decline in productivity on average, somewhere in that 10 to 12 range. Okay. On average. Now we all know the exception cow that went 16 years and was still doing a 750 pound calf. You know, keep her and keep every daughter you can out of her, right? But that's not the rule. The rule, the general rule, is that ten to twelve, they're they're going to start getting less productive, and um, and that's that's when we really got to start paying attention. And um, you know, I don't know what cutoffs you have, Jeff, but I like to see a cow at least forty percent of her body weight in weaning, forty five better 50 is our is our ultimate goal i don't i'm not sure if we ever really can hit that 50 percent uh calf wean per body weight but it you know 45 seems to be something that's reasonably attainable and those those older cows slip under 40 quite a bit and uh, in my opinion when you get up under 40 percent that's you're you're losing money you're putting more food in than you're getting product out yeah, and I, I think the only exceptions I have on that, or, or maybe not even except, well, I'll say exceptions are uh, first calf heifers will tend to always wean a higher percentage of body weight because they haven't reached their physiological mature size yet. And so you need to consider them a little bit different because they'll skew um, the numbers. And then everybody needs to adjust those cows to a constant body condition score and the reason that's important is if you got a if you got a 1500 pound cow that's a body condition score 7 you know she may be carrying 150 to 200 pounds extra flesh and um, you know then her numbers may look really poor and but but she may need to go anyways because she's not putting enough in the milk for that calf but but you do need to consider trying to standardize um, your weights and body condition scores. So, 
I, I did want to follow up. You know, you mentioned the eight eight teeth, and, and when we talk about eight, they have more than eight, but it's the eight incisors in the front. And and when we begin seeing excessive wear, or what you know, they begin to actually lose a tooth and become broken mouth, and and that that's that's what we're looking at are those kind of eight front incisors um, on wear and and making sure they still have them and. I think you're right. You know, years ago, it wasn't uncommon for us to have several cows that were 14 to 16 in the herd. Um, but, but that seems to be less common, but also that also allows for generational improvement in our genetics, right? Yep. So, well, Les, as, as we get through here, um, any, any last thoughts you might have on as we move into this fall time and we're working cows to some things to consider in the fall working of these spring um, cabin herds? Well, you know, not too much on the fall working of the spring herds. I would go ahead. Uh, last thing is I, I, I like to go ahead and hit them with a, uh, a booster um, for the respiratory disease complex and lepto. Um, I, you know, I see too many cases of abortions, Jeff, uh, that, you know, we we have we got to have a cow, have a calf, and wean a calf to make money off of her, and that two dollars and fifty cents it's going to cost to boost at this time uh, with a killed modified like or killed respiratory disease complex and a and a lepto. I mean that's those are really cheap shots right now. Um, if we just if we protect enough that we're able to keep one more calf. From aborting, it's worth the time, the effort to get that done. And I, I really like to see um, some boosters here in our cows um, when we do our fall work. So that's you know we can we can wait a little bit on deworming um, and and do some targeted deworming uh, if we want to. But I I really like to see a killed respiratory disease complex vac vaccination and a lepto vaccination right now. And then other thing is, as we move forward and we're getting closer, you know, in the spring on those, one of the things I think people always forget about is that daggone bull. He has a herd health protocol that needs to be followed as well. Exactly. And, and also, um, the other thing I tend to see is we forget about the nutritional program of that, that dude, because if we pull him out we put him in this old grass trap over here, I, he also needs trace mineral supplementation and he needs to regain any weight he lost from, um, you know, doing the breeding of those cows, but, but don't get him too fat because that will reduce his fertility. But just don't forget the, the trace mineral nutrition and herd health on those bulls. Well, Les, um, appreciate you joining us again. And uh, we, we'll, maybe next time we can jump in the kind of thinking about we've gone through all this whole process on, making decisions on colon cows. Uh, maybe we can jump in to select and replacements then on the next uh, podcast. That sounds great. I want to thank you again, Les, for joining us. And um, uh, those of you that um, have any questions on uh, reproductive management techniques, be sure to reach out to uh, your county extension office, uh, consult with your veterinarian, and uh, feel free to reach out to Dr. Anderson as well. I'm sure he'll, he'll take a call or two once in a while, won't you? Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. I enjoyed it. Great having you again. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Beef Bits podcast.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Beef Bits Podcast. We hope you found it enjoyable and informative. Be sure to subscribe to the Beef Bits Podcast for future episodes as well as listen to previous ones. Until next time, be safe and reach out to your county extension office for more information on beef management topics. <laughs>